Hello, all my friends, and welcome to another episode of All My Friends with Justin Flaskrude. I'm doing something different today that I don't normally do. I usually have talking points, maybe get to a few topics before we get into the interview. And today's interview is with a friend of mine, one of my best friends growing up, uh, Alden Blaze. Um, we were in the same class from first grade to seventh grade, and so... Uh, we, he has some good catching up to do. We haven't spoken in a long time or saw each other in a long time. And we caught up on Zoom. And yeah, we also got into some topic. We got into a little, you know, talking about COVID-19 and how his family is uh, is coping and being able to teach kids. He has some younger kids in his family. So he's constantly going, um, just, you know, keeping them away from life and danger and entertained and all that stuff. And so we'll get into that interview here shortly. But I want to make sure you guys are doing okay. You know, um, I'm okay. I, I definitely am still social distancing myself from people. I'm definitely masking up while inside because, you know, I, I do care about all lives. And especially mine right now because I'm a diabetic. And if you see all the science about this, this disease, not disease, <laughs> this uh, virus, it, it takes out... Um, the elderly, it takes out people with underlying health conditions that, can, that are heart disease, diabetes, uh, any sort of uh, breathing issues. Uh, it really takes them out, uh, puts them in the hospital, and, and sometimes it kills them. And I'm not ready to die. Uh, and so I'm going to take a conservative approach to this, and I'm going to mask up. And I see a lot of your posts on Facebook, I don't know if you're listening to the show that about I'm not going to mask up at all, and and that just makes me sad. It makes me sad. It's really simple. It's really simple to do because wouldn't you hate it if you were responsible for someone's death because you got sick with COVID and you're fine, you make it through COVID, maybe you don't have as bad as symptoms, but that leads to um, someone's grandma dying. I mean, wouldn't that be terrible? I mean, I mean. If you, just, if you knew about it, a lot of people don't even know who they affect. Um, so if you knew about that, wouldn't it just be terrible? So mask up. I mean, it's really simple, and there's some cool masks out there. I got um, this one that's got the vents, the filters on the sides. I suggest these because you can actually get some air in there. You got to take out the inside filter and change them. But the outside ones... Like it actually helps circulate that air so you're not breathing all your carbon monoxide. I used to stand in, inside stores with my other masks on. They were cloth masks and be like, oh my God, this is, this is tough. And if it's hot out, oh, it's even worse. So I would definitely recommend going checking out uh, those. It took about a month on Amazon for me to get mine, but um, those are worth it. And they're coming out with more and more. And they're designer ones. You can get your favorite teams. You can get a big smile on them. So, and it's, it's it, you can make the best of it. You can make the best of it. So wear that mask. And as we're learning, uh, COVID doesn't really spread as much as far as like, say, you cough on my microphone. And then I touch my microphone two hours later. Chances are I'm not going to get COVID if you had it and coughed on my microphone. But if you cough in my face, that will probably give me COVID-19. So please wear a mask. I, you understand? Wear a mask. Just do it for, think of me. Or maybe if you hate me, you probably won't wear a mask. But that that's my beg and pleading every time I probably get a microphone in front of me because I want to end this. And 
when people are social distancing, wearing masks, they don't spread the virus. It doesn't have any host because it can't jump from person to person because people aren't around each other. See where I'm going with this one? And so we can track it down and be like, okay, and even if it's going to get good, we're going to be able to track it down to like, it came out of that business right there. Or it came from that nursing home right there. We already know stuff like that. We're getting down to that kind of thing. And then we can go, okay, if you were in Walmart on Thursday from five to six, go get tested because there was someone in there that had that COVID-19. So you might want to check yourself. You get what I'm saying? And so it's getting better and better. But so that the more we stay away from each other, it sucks, the more likelihood we can get a grasp on it. And then it could die out. New Zealand did, theirs did, but it came back because they're an island and they got off the island, but then they allowed someone from the outside, Americans, to fly in and then they have two more cases. So we want to be an island. You want to be an island wherever you're at, an island. It sucks not seeing people. It sucks not being able to hug someone. It sucks not being around. If you love people, it sucks not going to concerts. It sucks not going to sporting events. It really does. It sucks. It just sucks. And, and, but we have to make do until we can get a cure and that's coming. It's coming. Just hold tight. But a lot of you are, are just dangerous in my mind. I see the posts on Facebook. I'm not going to wear a mask. Um, and that just makes me sad. So get off my high horse about wearing a mask. It's not a high horse. It's an easy horse to be on. Come mask up with me. Get the cool designer ones. I have a 49ers one. I have an Oregon Ducks one. And I got my new uh, one with the with the filters on it. That's the best one. I see. I saw one like that with the 49ers one. I might have to get that one. Um, yeah, that uh, I might have to get my favorite bands on it. That'd be pretty cool to do. So if if you're a band, start marketing those masks and uh, put them out there with your logo on it or something like that. Or if you are a company, start marketing masks with your logo on it. Uh, you what you know? Someone sees your logo on their mask. And you're like, hmm, I wonder what that is. So that, those are some good marketing ideas. And you heard it right here on All My Friends with Justin Flaskerud. As I told you earlier, my guest today is Alden Blaze. Uh, and we grew up in Oregon together. Uh, we were in Mrs. Finnegan's first class. You'll hear this all in the podcast. I think it was a great conversation. Uh, I'm loving this, catching up with friends I haven't seen or talked to in a long time. So if you're one of those friends I haven't seen or talked to in a long time, you're on my list. I have a list of people that I'm going to get on this podcast eventually. And so uh, if you know me, if you know me, we got to be friends. That's the show. It's all my friends. So if you know me, I'll get you on the show. We'll talk. You know, I know I want to hear your stories. The world wants to hear your stories. So we're about to get in the interview with Alden. Uh, towards the end of the interview, his laptop runs out of battery. So we get disconnected. We finish it on his phone. But his phone didn't quite hold the connection as well, so you'll hear some audio difficulties. So bear with us. This is all done via Zoom and via uh, you know internet and such. So while everybody's on the internet, but without further ado, here's my interview with Alden. Yeah, born in Portland, Oregon, and. You know, I guess when I was a baby, we moved to Gresham, which of course is just a short distance to the east. At that point, I think it was kind of a suburb. And then, uh, you know, 
Justin, both you and I sort of lived out on the outskirts of town, you more than me, I guess. And, um, you know, Gresham now is basically just a, kind of an extension of Portland. But yeah, so I grew up there in Gresham uh, until about the age of, I think, 13. Um, my family moved to Eugene. So I went to uh, high school and then college in, in Eugene, uh, Oregon. So how did your your parents meet? Did they meet in Portland? Did, where? How did they get together? How? My parents? Oh, uh, yeah. You know, they've got a good – they got a, a couple of stories. Sometimes they sort of allude to, you know, um, one was like my, you know, my uh, – I think my dad helped my mom down from a bad acid trip, um, <laughs> something like that. And, uh, you know, my dad got beat up one time and, and locked out of the house. Uh, they did meet in Portland, I think. And, um, you know, both of their families are from the Northwest. Although my dad was kind of from California too, or his, his dad was my grandpa. Um, yeah. So they met, yeah, in Portland, I'm pretty sure. My dad came back from Vietnam. He was a Marine in Vietnam. And so he, um, yeah, I, I can't imagine what that was like. But anyways, it was shortly after he came back, I think, that they got together. All right, on. And so siblings, are you the oldest, youngest? I'm the oldest. Yeah, of, yeah I've got a, a younger brother. So I was born in uh, 1974. He was born in 1976. And uh he, he currently uh, lives in Eugene. His name is Lowell, and he lives with his, uh, his wife. And then their four kids, his daughter and her three sons, live together. Well, actually, no, the older ones have moved out by now. Um, they're, they're all uh, a bit older than, than our kids. Yeah, I, yeah so that's, that's it. I, I'm one of two siblings. And... Um, yeah, I grew up in Oregon, but for the last 25 years, I've lived, um, you know, in Montana, part-time at first, and I was kind of seasonal, and then uh, full-time for the last 15 years. But anyways, yeah, so two siblings. Once at the guy got Lowell. I do remember Lowell. Yeah. He's, a, uh, he's a fellow Duck fan like myself, and you, you are, what, alum too, so... I don't know. Yeah, but I think I think uh, my my brother and you would probably both scoff at my um, my fandom these days. I don't really pay too much attention to it. Although some of my best moments in college were at Ducks football games. I'll I'll say that, and just riding the wave of of incredible emotion when uh, Kenny Wheaton returned the touchdown, ninety seven yards, and that was that was the you know the catalyst that took us to the the Rose Bowl that year. So course that was a very special experience for me you know but you know in the in the modern era of my life i i don't pay too much attention to football in general or the yeah. duck so i i towed the line for the oregon ducks moving to wyoming going to the university of wyoming i probably wasn't a university of wyoming fan until about halfway through my college career uh, where I was covering all the sports. So I was like, yeah, I might as well like these guys. But my friends say I always had duck gear, always still do, and always stay in, t- in kind of, you know, earshot, eyeshot of what they're up to. Football more than any other sport, but I pay attention to them still. My first game at Autzen Stadium was uh, Wyoming came to town, and that was a few years back. And everyone's like, what would you wear? And I was like, 
I'm a University of Wyoming alumni. They signed my checks. I have season tickets. I wore all Wyoming gear. But I knew Mar Marcus Mariota was about to kick our ass. And they did. We, we got up 8 nothing in that game, and then it was totally um, the Ducks. And an interesting side note, there was a tackle that played for the Ducks. Now he plays for the Lions that my buddy Ray, who now lives in Vegas, we went to high school, he coached him in basketball. And so, like, I kind of became a contact of that guy and stuff. Um, so it's interesting. I'm very connected to University of Oregon still. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, you should get back and pay attention to their sports and such. I got, I got too much. I got too yeah, much. Too much going on. I, got, uh, I guess if you find yourself bored, yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, I do. I've, you know, I've somewhat paid attention to the rise of duck football, you know, and the fact that really, well, I guess I've got a certain pride in the fact that, you know, when I was in school was that year that we went to the Rose Bowl for the first time and kind of broke out of decades of mediocrity and became a national powerhouse really that season. And from there, you know, obviously there's been, you know, two national championship games and lots of money poured in lots of uniforms, Nike supplying, but uh, it's all become a, a pretty cool show over there. But yeah. So I kind of pay attention, I guess, but I'm just like not a huge fan. I wish Phil Knight would have sold out for Nike, like for the Ducks a long time ago. Like when you were, I mean, you told me you can get cheap shoes there. I remember that. Like you're like, yeah, they have like discounted Nikes, but he should just like, he poured up so much money to, into the duck in uniforms and everything. Like he should have done that years ago. I was like, well, that's actually, that brings up another kind yeah. of a story from um, my college days because I played on the ultimate Frisbee team. Oh, yeah. And we were like a, a traveling intramural. Um, we would go down to Palo, we'd go to, we'd go from Eugene and take a state, a state van, take the seats out, put a, a futon in, have a couple cases of beer and a bong, and we'd cruise down to Palo Alto and Santa Barbara, Santa, Santa Cruz, and we'd just get smoked by these team, these uh, you know these college teams, Stanford. They're like machines, and. You know, we were just a haphazard group. But then after I, grad I graduated college in um, 1998, and um, after that, Nike in particular started, like not just the football team, but all of the athletics got a lot of money starting right around that time. And so shortly after I was done, the Ultimate Frisbee team became a national powerhouse, and they started having Nike dry fit uniforms and all this crazy stuff. You know, and I was at a party one time shortly after college where this guy that was then on the team, I told him, yeah, I was the captain back before this. And he's like, oh, man, those were the lost years. <laughs> oh. And I had this disdain, and I was like, ah, whatever. So, anyways, that's my, that's my aside for, nice. the, you know, my university nice. days. So, maybe we'll just go back in time again. Uh, so, you, got, you, uh, you played Ultimate Frisbee for the Ducks. Uh, did you play a lot of sports growing up? Yeah, you know, I was, um, I was into baseball quite a bit when I was younger. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm pretty quick, or at least I used to be. So th then I got into, you know, being a football player. But um, we ran the option at Sheldon High School in Eugene. And so um, I guess I only played varsity my senior year. <clears throat> but... Um, you know, and I, we ran the option. And so I was just, they pitched me the ball and I'd run as fast as I could out of bounds so I wouldn't get hit. <laughs> so I, I really wasn't meant to be a football player. Um, 
I played, I played ultimate Frisbee. I got into that in college, you know, I mean, in Eugene, it's very easy to find a game of Frisbee. And then that kind of became more serious, you know, it involved running. And so that's, that's a sport I still really enjoy. I haven't played it much in, in several years. Um, but you know, in my twenties, I got, I, I got into soccer and, um, ever since then, that's really been the sport that I like to watch. I mean, but mostly I like to play. I'll watch it just to have it on in the background, but you know, um, I, I really like to play it. And there's a, you know, where, where I live up here, there's a pretty good community of uh, sporty type of people. So yeah, that's been my sport uh, experience timeline. Nice. Yeah. I do remember you playing baseball. And they couldn't never pitch to you, so you got on base and then you'd steal, like they could because yeah. you're so fast. And I was just like, that's that's awesome. Yeah, I, every time I watched you play, you probably stole some bases. Like you know, that's you know, I didn't really have. Um, I think I, I benefited from my my short stature because yeah, kids couldn't get a strike in there, and I really couldn't hit that well, but I would get on base. Yeah, so and I really I really like baseball. I think I really thought that. I was going to be good at it, but um, just sort of lost interest. My varsity coach, you know, he was batting me ninth, and I figured I deserved better than that. And so, anyways, I, I kind of had a little, you know, hissy fit about it and didn't really like baseball after that. I understand. I got ruined on wrestling because of a coach. So, I think, yeah. yeah. I, soccer I played off growing up, and then I quit soccer to wrestle, which parts me like, Why? Why did I wrestle? I did not really enjoy it all that much. I wasn't that good at it. And then got hurt one time and was done with it. And wrestling. Uh, yeah. But you like the WWE. Oh yeah, that's a whole different thing. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's a whole different sport. Not sport, it's just entertainment. Yeah. And uh, but yeah, it's uh I, I yeah, maybe that's why. Maybe I was like, oh, maybe as a wrestler you could lead to that kind of wrestling, and some do, but it doesn't really matter. Yeah. There's some actually really like guys that are wrestling right now pro wrestling that have like crazy college background wrestlers like you can't it's hard to believe that they're doing this now but instead of like coaching it or something but uh -huh. so what was it like i i moved from oregon when i in the seventh grade and right after the seventh grade and moved to laramie which is a totally shocking event what was it like to move from Gresham to Eugene for you? Uh, from Gresham to Eugene was actually, for me, it was a, it was a chance to um, start over. Not that I had a bad experience in Gresham, but I actually held myself back a grade. I think I did eighth grade twice. So I did eighth grade, or maybe it was seventh grade. No, it was eighth grade in both Gresham, and then I did it again. So I did Gordon Russell, and then – what was it? Cal Young in Eugene. So, um, because I was really young for my grade when we were going to school in, in Gresham and I didn't really like that because also, cause I was small. And so I, I just kind of, not that I got picked on all that much, but I just felt like, you know, I felt like I belonged with a grade, you know, closer to my age really. And anyway, so I decided when we moved to Eugene, um, to, to stay back a year. So, I really liked Eugene and, you know, high school, um, you know, it wasn't, you know, Gresham to Eugene, Oregon is not really a shocking transition, like going to Laramie, I suppose. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that wasn't, 
much, you know, and then I first went to Montana though in 1995 and that really was a, a formative event for me. And, um, you know, I decided pretty quickly that I wanted to spend a lot of time there. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I remember you staying back a year and I was disappointed because like you were one of the smartest kids I knew. You were in tag. You're always like disappearing yeah. to go do tag stuff. Talented. Talented. Oh, yeah. Talented and gifted. Is that what's going on? Yeah. Didn't you guys get in like a bus wreck? Yeah, we got in a bus wreck. Um, yeah, the, the our bus driver wasn't talented nor gifted, <laughs> I guess. Uh, wow. I think it was her fault. It was right on uh, the intersection, like Orient Road, I guess, and Powell or one of those crossings. I can't remember if that's exactly it, but um, I think she ran a red light and um, we got – I think we T-boned a car, you know, but we were on the short bus. That was the thing. We were the tag. We were the talented and gifted, but we were on the short bus. So it was easy for other kids to make fun of us because of the fact, you know, short bus. That's yeah. Yeah. Whatever. That's something. Far that, from that. You guys were far from that. Well, was, anyways. Yeah. We got in a wreck, but everything, everybody was okay. Um, yeah. That was, that was a long time. I ago. just remember that when I started talking about tag i remember you being in tag and i was like wait a minute you were on a bus that an accident but yeah you disappear to do that kind of stuff and so when you were like oh i'm gonna go back great and i uh, you had talked to me about you felt so young and you're sure and you're just like you talked to me about it but i still was just like ah you're gonna be bored out of your mind another year of eighth grade just it's gonna be cakewalk for you but so but it worked out i guess you're well just person now you know yeah, I mean, I yeah, I think I, I think it was a good step for me to do that back then. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't my, um, yeah, it was emotional, and physical. I thought that, you know, I don't know, it's a, it's something that I'm glad that I did though, and uh, yeah. So I think about it. Like now you're in a town or yeah city that's got a university at it. Was no. it automatic that you were going to go to university of Oregon? Did you oh, shop yeah. or you did that? Well, no, I went to, uh, I went and actually, uh, coming out of high school, I was, um, I didn't have any scholarship offers, but I did have, um, I was looking at Linfield, I think. And, um, but it was really between Linfield and, and U of O. And I, I kind of just wanted, I wanted the, it was sort of a choice between the alternative, you know, smaller college with the small campus and sort of, you know, probably more personal interaction with a lot of people or sort of the traditional university appeal with lots of people and, you know, everything about that and, and girls and whatever. So I, I chose that. I chose the U of O because of sort of what it represented. And, um, you know, my college years were, yeah, I spent more time playing Frisbee really than I did studying. And um, I kind of just chose a major, not really with any direction, only with this notion that, you know, well, I want to be uh, working outside. So I'll major in geography. And so, um, and I have, you know, I have had jobs that have, you know, guiding jobs and whatnot. They haven't required that type of a degree, but I just sort of, you know, went through the motions in, in many ways with college. And I sort of look back on that with a bit of regret, you know, um, I certainly could have gotten more out of it. 
Yeah. Well, now that I work at one, I'm very attuned to, wait a minute, you guys get notes? Like the students today, they like, they'll get the PowerPoints ahead of time. And all you do is sit there and just add notes to them. And I was like, that would have cut off two years for me. Was yeah. not a good student. Like I didn't know how to take notes and I was totally distracted by the social stuff. But there's just certain things now. I'm like, wow, they got easier. The campus, I work at the same place. I went to, so much nicer now than when I went to school. And the technology they have, I get to play with it all day. It's amazing compared to what I could touch back then. And so I'm jealous of some things. Um, I'm glad I didn't go to college during the time of Facebook. I'll tell you that. Um, none of that stuff's documented. <laughs> well, also, it's just it's such a distraction. Like I remember in college, like, I'd have to go to the computer lab to go yeah. write paper, you know? And, um, you know, so it's like, yeah, the kids these days, they don't know how easy they've got it, you know, but at the same time, it's, you know, it's a difficult world for a kid to navigate these days, I'd say. And um, yeah, so, but I, I look, I look back on my youth pretty fondly, but yeah, we didn't have cell phones. I always tell that to my kids now, you know, computers, you know, computer in my lap right now what, what's that that's something that's you know when we were kids that was not a thing so it's amazing to me really to think about in 30 years the technology advances that we've had and um especially you know with you working in technology all this time you know you've seen it firsthand so my um, mind <laughs> yeah like, i i got I t people would just take it for granted but i was like your cell phone the technology, the micro technology that has happened in well, the last 20 years, we'll say, um, is like going from stone rock wheels to radials, like yeah. 20 years. Like that's the jump we've made. The micro technology has made a big difference, but it's just, uh, it's shocking to see yeah. a lot of it. And everybody's like, oh yeah, of course. Now we're on 5G or, you know, we're, now you can do all this stuff and you could be on top of a mountain and, which I still like the disconnect. I, still, I like yeah. technology enough, but I mean, you probably understand a lot too, like being outside and everything. I like the disconnect. There are places in Wyoming you can go and nothing, no cell phone. Yeah. It's good to have those places. Yep. Good to, yeah. to check out. Um, so you finish up University of Oregon. You have your degree, you got a degree in geography, right? Yep. Degree in geography, minor in mathematics. Mathematics. Yeah. And so you're just like beeline to Montana or you're like. The uh, so what happened? Oh, yeah. When I was in, when I was in uh, college, I went and uh, summer of 96, I went out to Montana. Um, I, I had been out there in 95. We road trip. Yeah. We, the ultimate Frisbee team drove from Eugene to Calgary, Alberta, just for the weekend for an ultimate tournament, which is crazy. But we drove through Glacier Park, you know, and I was just, course like anybody that sees it for the first time absolutely you know blown away by by the mountains and so i came back in 96 and i had a job at a, this little cafe called the park cafe in saint mary montana which is on the blackfeet reservation so east side of glacier national park and um i had that job for um i think three summers go back to school in eugene and then after i graduated let's see 98 um, yeah, I, I wasn't in any hurry to start a career. That's for sure. I went to Alaska and worked, you know, as a dishwasher and, you know, uh, housekeeper. And then I, um, and I, I, I go back to Glacier every summer though. 
And then I'd save up money and I'd, I'd work at home. I'd wait tables or whatever back in, uh, in Ashland, Oregon, where my parents lived and still live now. And, uh, and then I go traveling and I, I go, I went to South America, um, actually had a job in South America where I was guiding uh, teenagers and I um, uh, went to Europe. And then I'd always come back to Montana though. And so then ended up living in Missoula with some friends uh, that were kind of on the same seasonal, you know, kind of lifestyle. And we decided to live in the winters in, uh, in Missoula. And that was back in 2002. So that was the first time I lived <clears throat> in Montana for the winter. And then uh, I moved to Whitefish in 2006, fall of 2006 to be basically to be a ski bum because we got Whitefish Mountain Resort over here, which is really an awesome ski hill. So all the listeners of yours that want a good ski vacation, this is the place. Um, but anyways, yeah, I, did, I, I, I went there and uh, that was 06. So fast forward now, 14 years later, and uh, I live in Columbia Falls with a wife and three kids. And um, I'm not really a snowboard or ski bum anymore. I do ski um, still, but just love, love living here. Um, yeah, I bought my house here in 2008. And so that's, that's kind of the condensed version of it. Condensed, eh? Uh, so with your travels around the world, there, do you, are you fluent in like, Spanish now or...? No, 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 no puedo hablar muy bien, pero bastante bien. Y, you know, I can, I can hold a conversation. My wife is a Spanish teacher. So oh, there you we, go. we met um, kind of, um, you know, we had each traveled on our own before we knew each other. Um, and so her Spanish is better. She actually worked in Ecuador, you know, um, and was bilingual for that job. Um, so yeah, I, I learned Spanish. I learned Spanish much, much better. My Spanish became great, yeah. you know, for a while, uh, back then when I was traveling, I, I go, you know, I was in Central America, Costa Rica and, um, Guatemala, Mexico several times. And, you know, all of those trips, I would, I would make it a point just to, you know, integrate with the locals as much as I could. And, um, so yeah, my Spanish certainly was, was, uh, improved because of that um yeah so that was good it was good i i did a decent amount of traveling and kind of did it on a shoestring budget you know but just had incredible uh experiences throughout the whole that was throughout my 20s and um yeah good times my 20s i started going i worked at a summer camp and started going to the east coast and exploring everything in between yeah nice so yeah i was i, I think if you have parents that instill it in you to get out and travel, like my parents both grew up in Washington, the state, and then moved, moved to Oregon after they met each other. Like, and they kind of, then my stepdad and mom went to Wyoming. Like they kind of have that get out there and check out the world vibe. And it, my older sister lives in Texas. My little sister used to live in Florida. Now she's in Vegas. And, uh, it's so it's interesting to see the world because I know lots of people here that that have barely been on a plane or, you know, have, Oh, the farthest east I've been is Nebraska. I'm like, Oh, that's oh, sad. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's sad. But yeah, it's uh it's good that you, I mean, my Spanish, I realized I learned Spanish from Spain. Then I went to Mexico and was like, no, 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 no. That's not what I learned. It was totally. Yeah. And no, I, I understand it a whole lot more than I can speak it. 
And it's interesting enough, my girlfriend's half Mexican and she doesn't understand any of it. She was raised mostly by her white side. So people will come up to her and start talking Spanish and I'll be like, she's like, what they say? And I'm like, oh, this. <laughs> she's like, translate. I don't speak it. <laughs> yeah. I understand it probably, yeah, a lot better than I realize I do. But when they, people get going, I'm like, okay, you're acting like I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so you're bouncing around your house there. <laughs> Yeah, sorry, I got it. I'm in an interview right now. Sorry. Uh, it's all good. So, uh, current, like when I started this podcast, my very first podcast was in my house. We had we did the interview or my studio here, and that was the only one I've done truly like face to face. And that's when COVID was really trying impacting Wyoming. Like I didn't think much about it. And then that's when about the time it it was right around my birthday. And like, I was like, do I go out? Do I stand? I was like, we have, do I go get toilet paper? What do I do? And I couldn't believe that our stores were out of toilet paper. Like I was so shocked. Luckily it's only two of us in our house. So it wasn't pandemic to go get that. We went, didn't have, we had enough in our house, but it, it was interesting now that, you know, that, that time has passed and all my interviews have been this on Zoom. And I've got, gotten used to it. I was like, well, I don't know what I'm going to do when I can actually do a person-to-person interview. It'd be so weird. I have the setup, but I was like, this works out well because I can record it all, uh, audio track, and I just maybe do a little editing and uh, it's good to go. And so, because um, I've worked with Zoom so much, I, I get the recording stuff good. Uh, so... How'd you meet your wife again? She's a Spanish teacher, but I mean, how'd you yeah. guys meet your travels in Montana? You guys met? No, we met, we met in Missoula. Yeah. We were introduced uh, by uh, a mutual friend. It was, you know, and so um, at that time I was, I was a father. I became a father in 2008. Um, you know, I didn't get married and it, it wasn't really going to work out with uh, the, the baby mama in that case. <clears throat> um, so I was newly single, this was in 2011, um, and my wife and I met and just kind of had a little fling. It wasn't anything, you know, groundbreaking. But then she, she went back to Ecuador because she was, she was working, she worked in the Galapagos Islands and, um, and then she, um, you know, she went down there for another, another stint, you know, uh, teaching, uh, what was it called? Uh, it was the uh, Ecology Project International out of Missoula. So they would go and do these. She would teach Ecuadorian children and uh, U.S. children. Um, anyways, so during that time, she had a boyfriend in the Galapagos. So her daughter, who is now my daughter, was conceived in Ecuador or in the Galapagos Islands and then born in Helena, Montana in 2013 and so then it was shortly after that but well over a year later when when brisa was uh, her daughter was one one and a half is when we reconnected and um she was in helena and i was in you know whitefish so about four hours apart but we did a long distance kind of a thing and um um basically decided to move into my house that i own and 
that was uh, five years ago. And then our son was born. So we have, I say we have three kids, but it's a very much, uh, you know, modern mixed family. Um, and, and so that's how we met. Yeah, we were introduced to each other at a party and uh, the rest is history. It's really kind of my mom. <laughs> she's had three marriages and three kids. And my older sister was actually adopted by my dad so that she had the same last name. And yeah. then, yeah. And, uh, and then my old sister is, so my sisters are half sisters and I'm stepsister. I totally understand yeah. that blended yeah. situation. It makes everybody's like, gets confused by mine. I was like, I know how it works. So I have right. sisters. I'll tell you that I have three sisters. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to adopt my daughter, Brisa. I mean, she's now, she's seven. Okay. And her father, we have to have him sign off on it. And he's on, you know, in the Galapagos Island. It's not really easy to, we can communicate with him, but it's not a priority for him to sign off on it. But anyhow, yeah, that's, um, that's my domestic life these days. I have to go track him down, down there. Yeah, well, we know where we, we went down there. We went to Ecuador in 2018, and um, and just because my wife wants Brisa to connect with her blood relatives, and um, you know, so that's what that's what we did, and it was a really cool trip. And I met I met Juan, her father, and uh, yeah, it was a trip. <laughs> I could I could I'm sure you could dedicate a long podcast to this story in particular but i don't want to bore anybody that's a that's hey it, it is family twists and turns we we all yeah. have them you know yeah. dude I've, I've only got 12 percent left on my uh computer by the way so if okay. i were to phase out unexpectedly that's the reason i will understand yeah. i'll understand so why what's it like being a parent <laughs> yeah man well it's yeah, never a dull moment. I, I go to work, I'm a real estate agent, and it's almost an escape. Even though I'm talking my ass off to people on the phone and trying to arrange things and kind of make sure everybody's happy, and it's, you know, it's a lot of interaction with people, but it's, it's a break from the interaction, because my, my kids are young, seven, well, Cody, my daughter is, she's almost 12, and she's highly emotional, and then Brisa and Rio are very young, so it's, it's just like her, like the, the herding cats metaphor <laughs> is totally true. Um, and so, you know, but I love it. I mean, we play, you know, we happen to have a, you know, we live in a wonderful neighborhood and there's kids uh, throughout the neighborhood. So, and I've really connected with the other dads and um, so, yeah, I mean, it's great. I've been, a, I've been a dad now for almost 12 years and um, yeah. I think I've taken to it well. So I, I, I enjoy it. And I love my kids. So that's about it. I just want to, yeah, you know, and like I say, it's a difficult world to grow up in at the moment. And so I'm just hoping that we can raise them to be strong and um, yeah, not stupid. Yeah. 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 There's lots going on right now. It's crazy. And like, um, I, it got all close to home. We interesting with just the craziness. You got COVID-19. And you got these, these the, um, the ah, protests. Sorry, words can get my mouth. And that's going on. So the world's emotional and everything. And then Laramie gets hit with this snowstorm that is just 
thick wet snow and our trees are in full bloom and it just crushes my front yard trees and everybody, all the tat trees around town, just there's like a tree graveyard by our baseball fields. It's oh. crazy. And it just was clean up and the night was just crazy. I, it was interesting. Cause I was like, I knew, I didn't know what else was going on in the world at the time besides cleaning up that massing and getting through the storm. And luckily my house didn't get jacked up. I have some pretty good trees. Um, but they all kind of, I, it started happening and I heard a tree crash in my backyard, which doesn't have a lot of trees. And I was like, what is that? So I look out and I was like, I don't know what my front yard looks like. So I run outside and the, I look out my front sunroom and there's a couple might lean against the glass. So I'm like, oh my God. So I run out there and I start pulling stuff away from the glass, which is totally dangerous. Should have not done that, but I just couldn't sit there. I pulled stuff away from glass, pulled a few things off my roof and there was a big main branch and it fell into the road. And so I grabbed my chainsaw and cut it out of the road. Cause I didn't want anybody to drive into it in the snow. Hopefully nobody's out driving, but, and my girlfriend was asleep for the whole thing. She didn't realize it. Like I walked in the bedroom when it was all done. I was like, you won't believe it. And she's snoring away. And I was like, Oh, I'll tell you in the morning. And so I barely can sleep because I'm waiting for the next tree to fall through the house. But it's luckily it's not like Oregon or probably we don't have that big of like trees. Like my backyard out there was like, yeah. um, luckily these are smaller, but I was worried something like that was going to happen. Like it was going to land on my house. And, but the house is strong enough that it probably wouldn't matter. Our main evergreen trees, not one branch was phased, I think, but it was such a, almost a break. Like you're talking about your real estate job, even though it's kind of chaos there, almost a break from the chaos of the world, working yeah. tree cleanup and everything. And yeah, I was sore and I'm recovering from an injury. During, I mean, just, uh, it was interesting. <laughs> and so now it seems like, well, now I can focus on COVID-19 again and I'm diabetic. And so it seems to have a hit diabetics pretty good. Yeah. And, and so I'm very cognizant of, I mask up, even though Wyoming, we don't have very big numbers. We don't have a very big population, but yeah, so same. I go, same there. Oh, lost you, Mike. Um, uh, you still there? Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, you're good. Oh, good. So yeah, Montana's that way. We were in uh, South Dakota for a little bit. Uh, we went vac on vacation for my girlfriend's 40th, for Tia's 40th, and went camping, well, kind of, at a cabin near uh, the border of South Dakota and, and Wyoming. And Deadwood was not that far away, so we stopped in there. And the South Dakota doesn't do any restrictions. So it was scary to me. I was like, oh, and I hadn't been around that many people. So I'm on the street masked up. Here in Laramie, I don't. There's plenty of social distancing. Yeah. When I go to campus, which I work on campus one day a week, um, just because to stay safe. Now I'm going to go back because we have a huge project we have to do to get ready for students to possibly come back in the fall. But I wear a mask all the time. And it's interesting that I'm used to it by now. Mine's like a Bane mask. It's got like the filters on the side. So I, I, I highly suggest getting that kind of mask. It's so much easier to breathe. Like, and you want to wear it. Then like the homemade ones. Um, but I can't, yeah, it took about two months to get, but I suggest them if people are going to get a, ma a new mask or anything, get those type. Cause they're the filter and it's just, you can, you actually get oxygen in and out. It's kind of nice. So 
Yeah. Do you, so did the schools close down there? Do you guys became, you know, at home teachers? I guess your wife's a teacher already. Yeah. So she, uh, she had to manage both. So, and I had to, you know, I was working from home for a little while and I couldn't, you know, I was not productive at all because I can't, you know, my, my son is very, he's three years, he just turned four and he demands attention a hundred percent, a hundred percent of the time. So does my, so does our daughter. So, I can't, a lot of people think that, you know, oh gosh, it's, it's great that I can work from home now and I give them credit, but I can't do it very well. And, um, but anyways, I wasn't even the one, I mean, my, my wife was really responsible for the homeschooling bit and, and as well as creating lessons and doing them, you know, on zoom. So she actually has the zoom experience in our family. Um, you know, so that was, challenging for for us like it was for every parent in the nation or whoever you know i guess not south dakota but um, <laughs> we you know um so yeah my wife and kids they just went out my wife had to get out of the house so she got she went on a road trip last week and took the kids and that actually left me at home with nothing to do and that was incredible i you know i was able to just chill and, and sit on the couch and do nothing for the first time and so your laptop just ran out of juice uh, you're talking yeah. about being home alone while your family was on a road trip. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, they went on a little road trip, so I had nothing to do. Or I, I told her I was going to do yard work and, and work on the treehouse, but that didn't happen. And I just sat on the couch for most of the time. Well, I went to work, but then I came home and sat on the couch. And, uh, you know, it was brilliant. I loved it. But then, of course, I, you know, I was happy to see them when they got back and uh, everybody was rejuvenated and, and refreshed. It's always good to have a break from every, from, yeah, just constant busyness and family and just to sit on your couch for a while. I bet. Uh, yeah. I bought, a, I bought a PlayStation 4. Because oh, nice. I was like, I'm not going to be bored while this is going on. And if I'm yeah. going to be home, and if there's no NFL season, I will have an NFL season on my PlayStation. So, and I didn't realize how much the PlayStation four does compared to my old PlayStation two internet, all those movie subscription place. Ah, it's just, I learned more and more about it. I'm like, I control my life through this little controller. Now it's crazy. Huh. But I have a golf game on it, some racing game. That's yeah, cool. A star Wars game, of course. So yeah, I'm entertained. I'm, I've not been found myself bored at all. I've worked a lot in my yard. I've done that. Grass is really green. It's really well cut, really well taken care of. And so I usually go and travel to concerts. I was a concert junkie for the last you know, 15 years or so. But I kind of slowed down the last couple of years. And now I realize this is the first year I'm not going to make it to play. My favorite place to watch shows is Red Rocks. And it's kind of like, oh, damn. And one of the bands I go see at Red Rocks, they actually played their set at Red Rocks this last week. They're in Boulder, and uh, but nobody, had, no fans or anything, just the band on stage doing huh. the show. It's good. They put it on YouTube, and so we watched that. Interesting stuff like that. So I know you got to get those kids to bed here soon. One last question. I ask this every time, everybody of my first question, my last question. How'd we meet? How'd you and I meet? 
gosh, uh, it must have been at Powell Valley School, right? I mean, you probably remember better than I do because my memory from my early youth is really fuzzy. But um, yeah, PV Elementary School, or, or somehow I came to your house. I remember your house quite well, but I won't. I wouldn't think we met there. Gosh, yeah, I'm thinking. I'm thinking Powell Valley Elementary School, Gresham, Oregon, circa 1980. Miss Finnegan's class. Miss Finnegan. Okay, that rings a bell. Yeah, that's, we were in first grade together, folks. So yeah, first grade together, and all grades together. And I think we were outnumbered by girls in our class always. So I think a lot of the guys became friends because there were. It was like 20 girls and like 10 dudes through class, through our, when we were in a track system. Which oh, right. Yeah. Was it nine weeks on and three weeks off? Something like that. Three weeks. So, so cool. But, um, otherwise, I thought that was cool. But yeah, that's how we met. Mrs. Finnegan's class. Mrs. Finnegan. Right? Yeah. My stepmom was our third grade teacher. She is my dad's girlfriend at the time. Miss Layton, now she's Miss Fallsgrade, uh, and so but like she w- was friends with all those teachers we had. Oh, it still is. So when I go visit them, I used to run into them like as normal people. It was weird not to call them like Miss So and So Egan, Miss right. Cole, Miss. Like I, I, I was like, ah, uh. they're like, oh yeah, you're like an adult now. Call me Karen or whatever. And I was like, oh, sure, you're still my first. Yes teacher you know you're still uh mostly um egan's we knew i think more than anything um Uh their family and stuff and so yeah it was always interesting to go back and then i've been back to valley um she they long retired long time ago but i remember going back there when she was teaching stuff and just feeling like a giant like everything is so tiny but i remember that school being so big right I lived at the bottom of the hill. That's why you probably remember the house. Yeah. Had the forest behind me. Oh. Yeah, that was a cool place to grow up. It was. And you grew up in like what mossy tree. Mossy tree was also a cool place. We had this big green uh, common space. Big fo- you know, we played football back there. And yeah, I remember that. It was really yeah, we had a backyard that, that opened up into that common area, and so it was I great. We got your mom's uh, trampoline, like workout trampoline, and dunked with it. <laughs> on yeah. the back I don't think she was too happy with that. That was probably not a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man, will you take care? And, you too, uh, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being on the show. Yeah, man, let's connect soon. Sorry about the lack of uh, audio quality at the end of that interview. You guys know how the internet works. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's not so great. I want to thank Alden for joining me on that podcast right there. Uh, one story we didn't get into. We could have gotten so, so many stories. But I remember this one from back in the day. Uh, we used to copy tapes. And we'd stick two like boom boxes like together, face-to-face, and then hit record on one, play on the other, and put a box over the top of it. And so we could 
uh, record tapes from each other. And I remember doing it with uh, Beastie Boys License to Ill and Run DMC Raising Hell. I was the only one that I knew had Raising Hell by Run DMC. Everybody else had the Beastie Boys, and the Beastie Boys are one of my favorite bands. But I would basically pimp out my Raising Hell tape to everyone else to get their tapes. And uh, I eventually, I got Beastie Boys right away. But uh, yeah, that would got me a lot of other tapes, a lot of other music, because nobody had the Raising Hell. So I would loan it out. They would, they would record it that way or I'd record a copy for them. And uh, I just remember that being the hot tape to have because License Ill is great, but nobody had Raising Hell, at least in my circle of friends at the time. What I remember, I'm not sure if All In is still a Beastie Boys and or Run DMC fan like I am. Alden, if you need the music, just talk to me. I'll get it to you. I have all the Run DMC and I have all the Beastie Boys you could want. So I can get you that music if you like. All right, folks, if you are a musical artist or artists or know somebody is, I still need theme music. I still need um, uh, transition music, that is, from interviews, my intros, back into outros. Uh, you heard it with those guitar licks. Um, I grabbed those off the internet for free. Uh, it's not me. I wish I could play well enough to do that. I probably should try uh, to make my own. But I want you to send me your stuff. Or if you know somebody that's an artist, just once give me a guitar lick or a bass line or a drum line or a DJ line, you know, scratch it up. I'm good. Send it to me. I will tell everyone it's you. I will promote your work. So send it to me being the uh, musical accompaniment to my show. And if this thing gets big, Maybe we'll just have you in studio as well or connect you through uh, Zoom and such when we do uh, these intros and outros. But that's a future thing. I want to play your riffs on my show for, for intro, outro, transition music. So let me know. Hit me up on social media. DJ Rude Entertainment on Facebook. Justin Flaskrood on Facebook if you know me. You can hit me up on Twitter. It's jammin. J-A-M-M-I-N underscore DJ underscore Rude. Uh, that's on Twitter. And then you got, uh, see, Snapchat, Rudezilla68. You also have Instagram, El Ruderino. Uh, those are very popular ways to send people private messages and such. If you know me personally, you can always text me. So if you have that music, please, please send it to me. I'll put it on the show and I'll give you mad props. All right, folks. On to the next podcast. <laughs>